Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Good morning. Thank you for being here today. My name is Danny. I'm the lead pastor of Hope and the Coastlands. Uh, We have three churches in partnership together in Santa Cruz County. We sent Tim up to Scotts Valley today, and um, I'll be I'm going to be hopping back and forth between two locations this morning. Um, But I'm I'm excited to share something with you. It's uh, it was already my plan to share this, but it really ties in with our prayer just now for the next generation. How many of you guys know probably the most important thing we can do is invest in the next generation, right? If we had any, anybody, uh, anybody here that's in middle school or high school or elementary school, you are our priority. That's why we have ramps inside our church. Amen? That's why there's wheel marks on the floor in here because we want this place to be for you. And we are planning the first ever, this is so exciting, um, we're, we're kind of resurrecting the old school VBS idea, but we're, we're, we're amping it up here and we're calling it Adventure Kids Camp 2022. It's coming up at the end of July, 19th through 22nd. And uh, this is going to be awesome, you guys. I want to encourage you to volunteer. Uh, if you have ways that you can contribute and volunteer, uh, if you have kids, get your kids in because today is the last day to receive 15% off. Um, it's actually really cheap. We're not trying to make money off this thing. It's a hundred bucks for a week. Like I don't. I'm pretty sure we're losing money off of that. But um, we'll have to do the math on that later. Good Lord didn't give me math skills. So, Bless, blessings to you. So make sure you grab one of these on the way out. There's a sticker with a QR code so you can register today. And this is first through sixth grade, first through fifth grade, and then we're gonna also have. Uh, junior helpers in middle school and high school, and we're also going to have a junior uh, kids camp for the younger kids um, if you volunteer. So don't miss out on that. Have you ever heard a story that changed your life? Can I tell you a story? When I was in high school, I was 16 years old, and I got invited to go to a surf trip. It was my first surf camping trip with Christian surfers. And I got invited to go to this trip, and it just happened to be pumping south swell at Leo Carrillo. Brought my boards, all my wax, everything, wetsuits, and I was so excited. And I got there the first day, the leader who was in charge of this camp asked me and said, Hey, Danny, will you tell your testimony at the campfire tonight? And it was like, instantly, I froze. (gasps) You ever been just like super nervous that you just freeze up? Like I've got a little bit of ADD and so like when I get nervous I just can't think and focus. And so like the whole day I'm like trying to think and focus like what am I going to say? I don't even know what to like like it's just it's it's a bad situation for me. And but I said I said I would do it. And we went surfing and we had our barbecue and around we're on the campfire and it was super intimidating because I like there was a few teenagers there but like it was mostly like 
older guys, like guys like, you know, my age, like crusty old carps, you know what I mean? Sitting around the campfire, these guys have been surfing their whole lives and they're just all like gnarled from the sun and the salt water and they're like, like they look like sourdough bread on their face, you know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm like, they want to hear, they want me to say, tell my story. And I remember I had long hair, you know, it was like down to here and it was like part of the middle. And I, all I remember is this, like my hair was covering my face and I just remember going like this. Dude, dude, I think I said dude about 80 times, and I'm pretty sure at the end of it, I was so discouraged because I didn't get out what I wanted to communicate, and I tried to say my story, but I just said dude, and I'm pretty sure nobody, I was pretty sure that I was convinced that like it was totally pathetic and that no one's life was changed hearing my story. And it was like Forrest Gump. That's all I have to say, dude. And I went to bed, and I felt so discouraged. I was like, oh, man, I just, that was so lame. I didn't, I didn't, I, I had the opportunity, you know? It was like the wave came, and I paddled, and I totally just wiped out. You know, I just missed the opportunity, and I blew it. But then over the course of the next four days, I'm surfing, I'm hanging out with these people, and it was crazy. Because one by one, like several people came to me and they're like, man, what you share around the campfire, that like really spoke to me and like it was what I needed to hear. And like people that were older than me that I thought I would never have, in, they would, my story would mean nothing to them. And God used my broken up dude, dude, dude story to actually minister to other people. And you know what? It changed my life because that was the first time I was ever asked to do anything for God. And I was scared to death and I, I wanted to get out of it and I got total confusion because my ADD brain and I barely got any words out other than dude, but God used it in my life because the rest of my life, I've been dedicating my life to telling my story as many times in many places as I can. Who here believes that you have a story? Only two of you. Okay, good. I'm here to convince you that you have a story and not to underestimate the power of your story to change lives. My big idea I want to share with you guys today, I have a simple message and it's this. God's story plus your story will change the world. Do you believe that? We're going to look in the Bible, Acts chapter 21 and 22. Now, this is like a continuation. We've been doing this series called Along the Way. It's really exciting stuff. The Apostle Paul... So he, this, is the, this is the book of Acts. This is kind of where the church, the Christian church started. If you're kind of jumping in with us, Jesus said you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Those are the people they didn't like and the ends of the earth. Okay. And they guess what they did? They stayed. They didn't go. They stayed in Jerusalem until the persecution hit, and then they scattered. They went everywhere. And the Apostle Paul goes on these missionary journeys. This is kind of what the series we've been doing. We've been studying all these journeys. He went on three missionary journeys all throughout basically the known world of that time, and he's telling his story everywhere he goes. He goes into the temple, tells his story. He goes to the marketplace, tells his story. And lives are being changed. Churches are being started, and they didn't have buildings. 
They didn't even, I mean, this, this is just amazing what they're doing, right? They, they're just reaching people on the streets, in their homes, total underground. And they were being persecuted. People wanted to kill them. Paul gets, he gets beaten multiple times. Pretty much he goes into a city, he tells this story, and he starts a riot, and then they beat him up. And somehow he survives, and then he keeps going to the next city. That's kind of been the story we've been following here. And so here we are towards the end. we got like three more weeks of this, okay? We're almost wrapping this up. But Paul knows that God had called him. In fact, Acts chapter 20, there's a scripture, verse 22. It says that Paul was compelled by the Spirit to go back to Jerusalem. Remember, this is where he started. He kind of grew up there. And in he, this is where he was persecuting Christians before he met Jesus. And that's part of his story. And he also knows that he might face trouble there. And so let's take a look. If you guys have your Bibles, you can follow along. We're going to look first at Acts chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. You can turn there with me or you, you can read it from the screens with me. After we had torn ourselves away from them, I think that just speaks to the close relationship that they had, right? You ever had to tear yourself away from someone? After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. That's kind of weird. We're going to go back to that in a minute. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out to the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. It was normal that to follow somebody out to the beach when they would sail off, but, but this was even more extreme. Right? They're, they're out there. They're all just, I'm just picturing them on, the, on their knees on the beach, praying them off, right? After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. The first thing I want to say is Paul left the comfort. He knew he was called to go to Jerusalem. He had these relationships and he had a comfortable thing. He had a good thing going, right? But God had called him to leave the comfort. And sometimes comfort can stop us from taking the first step in the journey. God's given you a story. He's called you to step out and share it. But sometimes it's uncomfortable. I was super uncomfortable. I was anxious all day getting ready to share my story. But God's called us to leave that comfort. Joe Gruber, was he's my best friend. He was on staff here for five years, probably the one of the funnest seasons of ministry that I've ever had. And God called him to plant a church in Portland. That kind of sucks when your best friend leaves you. You know what I'm saying? And it was like that feeling of being torn away. Right? That feeling of, of, of God taking something away. But God is using my friend Joe in Portland as a result. And they're doing great things. Jesus left the comfort of heaven and even to, to be here on earth with us, right? And he, he didn't seek comfort, but he gave his life, right? We're so broken as a world that God needed to step in and die for us. And that was not comfortable. How many of you guys know sometimes God has called us to something that's uncomfortable? 
right? This last season for me in the last two, last year, um, you know, I was up speaking at Joe's church and I got in the car and my friend called me on the phone and he's like, hey, I had a dream about you. And it was like this umbrella. You know those like beach umbrellas where you push up on the middle and it spreads out? He's like, God's going to expand your reach. And I'm going to pull from the middle of what you're doing and it's going to be uncomfortable. Isn't that crazy? And I'm like, oh, that must be Tim. We're going to send Tim off or we're going to send Chris off or what does that mean, right? And so here I am. Now God's like, God's called me and he's expanding our reach. And like, we've got some amazing leaders here, but let me tell you, it's been uncomfortable for me because I love hope. We started this church and now I'm having to trust our team and that you guys are going to be okay as I'm like leading three churches and and, and stepping in at our sister church, and it's been uncomfortable. How many of you guys know sometimes comfort can stop us from taking the first step? Following Jesus is uncomfortable. Acts 21, verses 7 through 14. Let's take a look. We continued our journey, our voyage from Tyre and landed at, I'm, I'm going to totally butcher this name. Any, any Greek scholars in the room here? Ptolemus. Ptolemus. I'm just going with Ptolemus. We greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed on the, at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus, this guy had been kind of known for getting it right with the prophecies, and so this, he's kind of a big name. Uh, he came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet and set with it and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When he heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready to not only be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus, of the Lord Jesus. When he, had, when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Isn't this kind of confusing? Why would God in chapter 22 compel Paul to go? Now all of a sudden, three times they're urging him, Paul, don't go. Don't do it. And there's actually a different word there. The word in 20, chapter 20 is compel. The Spirit compelled. But then it says that they urged him. And I think the temptation here, sometimes God will show us something, but we don't get the whole picture, right? You ever, you ever had that happen where God will give you, he'll, he'll kind of give you some direction, but you don't have the whole picture? And so what God was showing Paul was that it's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. But he knew his purpose. He knew God's will was for him to go, and so he would not be dissuaded. That to me just shows even more courage even though his well-meaning friends were trying to talk him out of it. I think a little side note here, too, about prophecy, like God will speak to, to us, to people sometimes, but I think we want to make sure we have great humility in that, right? 1 Corinthians 13 says that we know in part, we, like we see in part, and I think sometimes God will give you a word or prophecy, even like that dream that my friend had for me, right? That doesn't mean it's going to be uncomfortable, so don't do it. Oftentimes God calls you to do something, and it's going to be uncomfortable, and you're going to do it. And so I want to encourage us to, to not allow the confusion that sometimes happens to, to 
detour us from God's will. Paul was courageous and he didn't let the confusion. Making our own conclusions causes confusion. Amen? Who's ever done that, right? Or maybe someone else has done that for you. And I remember and I, when, back in the day in my old church, there was a mom that thought God had told her that she was supposed to marry my daughter. Her daughter was supposed to marry me. That's what it was. And I didn't want to marry her. And that was very confusing. It was very confusing. That was not God's will. I'm glad I married my wife, Jenny. But creepy, weird. Okay. Um, <laughs> sometimes, you know, we make our own conclusions, and it can create confusion. But confusion can stop us from following God's will. Amen? And I just want to talk for a minute because I think it's important that we know God's calling. Do you know that God has a calling for all of your lives? All of our lives. And I'm not here to say everyone's supposed to be a pastor or a missionary, but every person, like, I don't, if you're from 10 years old to 80 years old, God is calling you. He has a purpose for your life, for you to share your story. Every one of us. And that's different from our vocation, right? Some, for me, like, my, my, my job and my calling kind of go together, but God has given you a job, but your, your calling is something even greater. Did you know that? And maybe you don't even like your job, but God's given you that place where you can use that to share your story and your calling. And um, like I said, there's a lot of confusion that can take us away from God's will. Verse tw- chapter 21, verse 30 through 40, we're going to read this. There's kind of a lot of text, so we're just going to kind of read a, a chunk at a time, and then we're going to talk about it. Um, the whole city was aroused, And the people came running from all directions, seizing Paul. They dragged him from the temple. And so what had happened here was that Paul came to Jerusalem. He showed up anyways, and now he's there, and there's there's a riot happening here. They dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were there trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some of the, some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. They're like, oh, the police are here. Let's stop beating him. That's crazy. Paul's just getting beat up. The commander came and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing and some another. Again, we see this confusion, Right? How many times does the enemy want to bring confusion to take us away from our purpose? There's confusion happening within his friends and disciples. Now there's confusion happening in the world and the culture. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, get rid of him. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, may I say something to you? Do you speak Greek? He replied, aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out in the wilderness some time ago? See, more confusion right here. Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood in the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic. How many guys know sometimes there can be opposition that can stop us from sharing our story? right? Confusion, 
comfort, and now we see opposition. There's these, these roadblocks that want to stop us, and Paul needed to share this story. It was so important. And I think there's a lot of things today that will try to take you off your calling, right? Even in the world right now, the internet is blowing up, right? There is a lot of heated uh, emotion right now. And I think it's so important that as Jesus followers, we, we remember our first calling, which is to win the hearts and minds of people that are far from God. Amen? And we don't want to miss our calling in the midst of confusion. Chapter 22. Let's look at Paul. He's going to share his story. Check this out. So he came there. They tried to stop him. They beat him up. And now all of a sudden he's in front of everybody that wanted to kill him. And he has this opportunity to share his story. And Paul's not shying away. He's not just saying, dude. <laughs> he's, he's putting some words together here. Brothers and fathers. And notice that when he spoke to the Roman soldiers, he spoke in Greek. And now he's speaking to his people, and he speaks Aramaic. He said, I'm, I'm, to the Jew, I became the Jew. To the Greek, I became the Greek. Paul says, I become all things to all people so that I may win some for Christ. Because he knew his purpose. His ultimate purpose was to win people. Not just arguments. Amen? We're here to win people. Because God loves people. And so he's out there at his own expense. But he's speaking their language. Brothers and fathers, listen to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel. This was a very well-known, prominent rabbi. Like he was legit. You know what I'm saying? This is, he's establishing credibility within the people that are hearing him. And it was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, attesting both men and women and throwing them into prison. Like, if God could use me, he could use anyone, basically, was Paul saying, right? I mean, he was terrorizing Christians. He was a terrorist. attesting both men and women and throwing them into prison as the high priest and the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you'll be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very moment, I was able to see him. And then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. 
You will be his witness. And again, that word witness, did you know this? When it says, you'll be my witnesses, you'll receive power to be my witnesses. It's actually the word we get martyr from. So you'll receive power to lay down your power. You'll receive power to go and show people who I am by giving your own life. Witness, to be his witness. To all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away. Calling on his name, when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your, your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, Go, and I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, Rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. As they were shouting and throwing off their clothes and flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered that Paul be taken to the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and interrogated in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. Paul is living on purpose. Even in the, in the fear of being beaten and being killed, he's not afraid to share his story because he knew that's why he was here. He knew that was his calling. And I think in the same way, we need to not underestimate the power of our story and the need for other people to hear it. It's hard to argue with a changed life, amen? I mean, here's Paul. He's saying, I used to hunt down and persecute Christians, and I stood there while Stephen was being stoned, giving approval. If God can save me, he can save anyone. God's story plus your story equals how to change the world. Amen? That's how God used Paul. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. I love that because it says we're to give a reason for the hope that we have. We have hope in the midst of of dark and crazy times. We have hope. We have an anchor, Hebrews says. We have an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. This hope of Christ that goes beyond this life. And we can stand as witnesses to tell people and point the way. We may not be perfect. We may not have it all together, but we can point the way to where it is. Amen? We have hope. And the thing is, people need hope. They need, they need hope right now. And we have an opportunity to share that hope. But we got to not just say it, but we got to live in such a way that people ask us. Isn't that cool? Because I, I, love that, that, I love what it says there because I think it implies that we're living in such a way that demands an explanation. Why are you so loving when that person did that to you? Why are you forgiving that person? Why are you reaching out? Why are you giving from what you have to help that person in need? Why are we living in such a way that shows the hope 
not just says the hope. Amen. I was, I loved, last week I got to hang out with a bunch of church planners. One of my passions is to invest in young leaders that are, that are planting churches. And there was about 30 of us in San Francisco on Thursday, walked the streets, prayed for the city, got to encourage, and we got to hear the story of one of the planners that we have in San Francisco, a guy named Noah. And they tried starting a church. They've been there for nine years, and it's been really hard. And it's the kind of place where you can, you can start church services, but people aren't necessarily going to come to you you got to go to them. And they haven't seen a lot of fruit until recently they started going out. And they went to certain clubs that involve certain things that I can't talk about with the kids in the room, but they've been going, the wife of my friend was going, going there and just sitting at the bar. And one by one, the dancers came to her and want to talk to her. And they're baptizing them. And they're reaching them. Because they're, 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 they're willing to tell their story. What is your God story? Who needs to hear your God story? And how will God change the world through you? Here's my challenge today. Will you walk in your calling and tell your story? Will you step out even when it's uncomfortable? Will you follow even when it doesn't make sense? And will you tell your story even when it's costly? Imagine what we could do together. Hundreds of people going out into our workplace, into our homes, on the cliff, on the beach, on the mountain bikes, telling our stories to other people that need hope. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.